probably probably spent between me and Jeremy, it was probably eight months, like from the decision to do it, where I remember talking with Jeremy, I was like, we can do this. I think there's an opportunity again, like what I was saying, to just kind of scratch our own itch and make really good products that we ourselves wish somebody else would make. Hey there, it is Mike Matthews back with another episode of the podcast and this time doing something a little bit different because instead of me just babbling about something by myself, I am going to be babbling with Josiah Novak from the Fit Man Project. Seriously though, Josiah was kind enough to interview me for his podcast and I thought all of you all out there might like it, so I'm reposting it for your listening pleasure. As you will see, our discussion kind of wanders all over the place, but if you want to hear the rather unusual story of how I got into the fitness industry in the first place and then found a niche that I could excel in, which is writing in particular, and then moved into supplements and all the rest of it, then you should give this episode a listen. I think you will find it interesting. We also discuss some of what has worked well for me in terms of maintaining at least a a semblance of a work-life balance, managing priorities, and other things work-related. This is where I would normally plug a sponsor to pay the bills, but I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in, so instead I'm just going to quickly tell you about something of mine. Specifically, my fitness book for women, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. Now, this book has sold over 150,000 copies in the last several years, and it has helped thousands of women build their best bodies ever, which is why it currently has over 1,200 reviews on Amazon with a four and a half star average. So if you want to know the biggest lies and myths that keep women from ever achieving the lean, sexy, strong, and healthy bodies they truly desire, and if you want to learn the simple science of building the ultimate female body, then you want to read Thinner, Leaner, Stronger today, which you can find on all major online retailers like Audible, Amazon, iTunes, Kobo, and Google Play. Now, speaking of Audible, I should also mention that you can actually get the audiobook 100% free when you sign up for an Audible account, which I highly recommend that you do if you're not currently listening to audiobooks. I myself love them because they let me make the time that I spend doing things like commuting, prepping food, walking my dog, and so forth into more valuable and productive activities. So if you want to take Audible up on this offer and get my book for free, simply go to www.bitly, B-I-T-L-Y dot com slash free T-L-S book. And that will take you to Audible. And then you just have to click the sign up today and save button, create your account. And voila, you get to listen to Thinner, Leaner, Stronger for free. I actually wanted to have you on the show for a while. I have to give props where props are due because um, back in my younger I call it my my crazy days in my twenties. Um, I read Bigger, Leaner, Leaner Stronger. Actually, you, you probably were the first person to really convince me that I could eat a little bit more flexible <laughs> of a diet. Yeah, it's like uh, one, of, one of those like aha kind of watershed moments. You're like, <laughs> I, I can eat a three three spoons of ice cream a day and not get fat. 
Yeah, yeah, a, t- a tablespoon actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there. but yeah, it was. I actually distinctively remember. I don't know if it was the exact wording or not, but it was something about how you ate like chocolate gelato or something like that every night. Yeah, and uh, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like, I might actually. This might actually be real. <laughs> there's hope. Yeah, there's. But you know, it's it's funny. I don't have. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I definitely had. Especially, I mean, I guess I've never really been. I've never had trouble with food. I've never really had a weird relationship with food, even growing up. Like I played a lot of sports and I ate the stuff my mom would cook and otherwise would have some shit at my friend's house uh, here and there or whatever. But especially now, I guess my focus personally now is more on longevity and like I want to be able to continue doing what I'm doing now and continue to look and perform the way that I can look perform now. 10 years from now, like if you actually look at my diet, it looks like your typical quote unquote clean eater uh, as opposed to, you know, I just don't get into the macro gymnastics of trying to basically look good, but have a shitty diet. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. And in other words, we're just getting old. (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) We're, We're dads now. We actually have to be responsible. Yeah. No, yeah, you know, totally, totally. I uh <laughs> I I've gone from, you know, I had a brief period, like you mentioned, the macro gymnastics. I I kind of said, okay, how how creative can I get? How insane yeah, sure. can I make my meals? But then I was like, you know what, this shit's making me feel like crap anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so let me just stick to the uh yeah, it's funny. We kind of come full circle, but yeah, so you you've done a lot of things, man. I mean, I feel like you're one of those people that can do a lot of things really well. But I want to kind of talk about where this whole thing started. I mean, where did you begin the fitness journey and how did you realize, hey, like I'm actually going to create something here that's going to change the world in in a sense? Yeah. So, I mean, it was just one of those, I really have to say that luck with anything, luck always plays, plays a role. And this was a kind of a, just a one of those strange stories of serendipity, I guess, because uh, like I had mentioned, I grew up playing sports, um, played baseball and then got into hockey and then really liked hockey and just kind of stuck with that and played a lot of roller hockey, a lot of ice hockey. That was up until I was like 17 ish. And, uh, I never intended on trying to go all the way with sports just because I felt like while I enjoyed it, I wasn't willing to dedicate my life to it. And I knew that, I mean, that's what it takes. It takes absolute obsession. Even if you look at it from the perspective of if you're trying to become a professional athlete or a high level athlete, um, you can push yourself to the point of burnout. And that's one type of obsession that, that that's more of the harmful obsession. Uh, but if you look at uh, examples of how top performers have been able to stay at the top of their game for a long time, their lives still revolve around maximizing their performance in their respective sports. It's just, they've been smart about factoring in recovery and that can be physical recovery, mental recovery, emotional recovery. So that might entail making sure, let's say they sleep, sleeping 10 hours a night, right? Which um, there is some research. It's most people that follow this kind of stuff have heard about this. It was, I think it was done with college basketball players, remember correctly. And uh, extending their sleep to 10 hours a night, like markedly improved their accuracy and just made them better basketball players, right? So still, yeah. And that means like you're taking less time. You're not, you're not sleeping five hours so you can wake up at the crack of dawn and get and start your, you know, six hours of workouts for the day. You're sleeping more, but you're still doing it because you want to get better at your sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. and, and so it still requires a pretty, I think, singular obsessive type of mindset where you're optimizing your life and you're, and you're aligning everything toward 
that sport. So I didn't see myself really wanting to do that. And, and I figured if that, what, if I wasn't going to be like that, what's the point? Because that's really what it takes. So I wanted to continue doing stuff with my body. Uh, so I got into weightlifting and also girls like muscles. So I was like, that works too. I like girls. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get some muscle. Right. So I sort of recruited a couple friends and, you know, we picked up some bodybuilding magazines and, and just started doing you know, what, what now I look back at are, are kind of just nonsensical workouts where you're sitting in the gym for two, two and a half hours a day. And that might be like, you know, that might be an arms day, <laughs> like two hours of arms, <laughs> arms and abs, right? Just crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> or, or maybe, maybe it's just pecs and it's not even a, it's mostly, you know, pecs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, Cause you call it pecs. Like, it's, yeah, that's when you know, it's totally fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and of course, you know, that was my first, First, in playing sports, I hadn't really done any resistance training, especially hockey. It's not really a thing. You don't do. I mean, I remember seeing recently there was a there was some guy. He was drafted first round NHL, and he couldn't do a pull up. Like he couldn't do one pull up. Wow. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure my nine month pregnant wife can do a pull up. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> pretty sure. You know I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and she's not a weightlifter. You know, she does like <laughs> she does yoga. She does Pilates. So that was my 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 real you know introduction to weightlifting and newbie gains being what the, you know they're that's yeah, a real thing. And, and when you when you start doing any sort of resistance training, your body is hyper responsive to it. So I made some progress in that first year of basically just kind of putting in a lot of work. I mean, I didn't. If you look at how much time, like if I would have known what I was doing. I probably could have spent probably a third of the time that I spent in the gym to get ultimately get better results. But, you know, it was something it was fun to do. It was time with my friends. And I also just really came to like not the results in terms of how my body was changing. I mean, I like that, but also I came to enjoy working out and it was something new and I liked how I felt after and whatever. Right. That was the first year. Maybe I gained, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 pounds of muscle in that first year, which again, isn't very good, especially not considering how much time I put in. And I kind of stuck with it over the years. And I, I knew that I didn't really know all that much. It was, it was more just, I didn't care all that much about it. It was something that I was, I did cause I enjoyed it and I knew it was good for my body. And I, at the time I was happy with, I didn't look at my body and be like, Oh, I wish I were leaner. I wish I were bigger or stronger. <laughs> and <laughs> I was, I was fine. I was out. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was fine. And I was just kind of, you know, had my attention on other things, whatever. And, um, but then along the way, I had, I'm trying to remember exactly what the, the turning point was. There were, I remember clearly one of, one of the kind of light bulb moments was I had met this, uh, bodybuilder and power lifter and I didn't really know that world. Uh, I also didn't know how prevalent steroids were. And I didn't also know how to spot steroid use because again, I just, these are things I never looked into. I never cared. And, you know, I wasn't exposed to it much either because I don't know if it was just because of the gyms that I, I always would work out in these like small kind of boutique private gyms and at weird hours, like for a long time, I'd work out at 11 PM. And so there was, I remember one dude in particular who was super drugged up, but on the whole, I wasn't, I wasn't really exposed to it. So anyway, so I'm, so I meet this uh, bodybuilder and, and he was prepping for a show, super fucking lean, obviously. And I, and I was just talking to him. So like, how do, how do you look like? that. You know what I mean? What are you doing? And, and he was, he was the first person to turn me on to flexible dieting actually. And then just heavy compound weightlifting. That's basically what I should be looking at. And I was like, huh, interesting. So then from there, I, I decided that I wanted to educate myself, which I'm, I've always been a good student. And I think it's one of my 
strengths is that I'm good at learning things. I want to learn more about what this guy was talking about. And so I kind of then, uh, I didn't go to magazines or random websites um, just because I knew that, that that's, those are just not very reliable, not very good sources of information. In terms of training, I went to Starting Strength was one of the first places I looked because I was, I'd heard of this and I knew that it had been around, you know, for 30 years and that Ripto is a respected dude and blah, blah, blah. So I, I started reading a bit uh, in the you know, on strength training. And then from there also went into scientific literature and on the diet side of things, I really just went to scientific literature because at the time, I mean, I didn't know of any book that I could read that really broke it down and did a good job explaining the fundamentals. So I I just kind of applied myself to learning. Really, we're just talking about the basics of diet and resistance training and, you know, muscle hypertrophy and strength progression, blah, blah, blah. And then just applied to myself in the gym and uh, saw great, great results. And other people started seeing it and started asking about it. And I continued to educate myself just because now I was more interested. And so I bring people, bring friends to the gym with me and kind of just run them through. These are my workouts, you know, welcome to a squat. (laughs) Welcome, (laughs) Welcome to a deadlift. See that shit? Pick it up. Yeah, it's hard, right? And explaining, you know, the goal, really my goal is to progress on these lifts. And then I have some accessory work around. And the reason here's why I'm doing this, the accessory work. And as I got more educated, it was more looking at, you know, frequency, intensity, volume, which is something that I don't really spend all that much time talking about, especially in like bigger, leaner, stronger, thinner, leaner, stronger, because quite frankly, those books are really how bigger, leaner, stronger came about was that was the book that I wish I had back when Mm -hmm. I started lifting weights. You don't need to know any of that shit in the beginning. You just don't. I mean, I would say in one of my next passes, one of my next editions of of both of those books, I'm going to see if I can shorten them. Um, it's not really a complaint that I get, but I just know that they're a bit on the longer side right now. So that just creates more friction for for a reader. I, I have some feedback from readers on something. There are some areas that I might be able to to just cut down on the on the on the words. But the first edition was like quite short. I don't remember the exact word count, but I want to say maybe 60, 50, 60,000 words, whereas the current edition is, is actually twice that. And, you know, I didn't try to, um, I didn't really try to go into it as a marketer, uh, which I had at the time. I had some marketing experience, copywriting experience, whatever. I really just wanted to, okay, in the beginning of the book, get the person hyped up, promise of benefits. Imagine this is this is what your life could be like. Yes, it's possible. And then let's just get right down to it and let's dispel some myths and then let's just learn how to like, here's some stuff you probably believe right now that's not true. And then let's get down to how to do it right. Here's how you do it right. Yeah, if you're skeptical, I understand. Just go do it for a month. That's all you have to do. And then yep. from there, you'll know. So anyways, that, that book came about because throughout just with helping people <laughs> funny enough one of my friends at the time uh, this is when I had gotten really lean for the first time and I looked good but I felt like I, I, I was kind of small just because that's what happens you know you start getting below 10 percent, and you're like geez I'm small Those natural shredding days <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and where, where people I remember yeah I remember I remember one time uh so I remember a couple of things not that I cared I, I thought it was funny um so I was pretty lean I was probably about seven percent and I was wearing like a long sleeve shirt that was kind of loose you know, wasn't, I, I'm not, it wasn't, wasn't like, you know, you know how some people, they try to like shrink wrap themselves in their clothes or everybody <laughs> knows that they lift. I don't, I, don't, I don't really care about that. So, uh, so I remember one person, he was like, he hadn't seen me in a while. He's like, so you, you stopped working out? Like what's, 
<laughs> Are you okay? He's like, what? Ha- yeah, what <laughs> happened? Did you get hurt or something? And then, and then I was like, bitch, look at my abs. That's what, 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 what are you talking about? Uh, Hold up. Let me lift this yeah, shirt. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and then somebody else was like, wow, like the same type of thing wearing that type of clothes. Like, you know, do you, are you a swimmer? You have like a, a swimmer. <laughs> that's been a now a joke, like an inside joke with my friends ever since. I thought that's good. And so, so at that time though, again, I mean, I, objectively speaking with my, take my shirt off and do a few pushups and I look pretty good. Um, so a friend of mine was like, you should just go on YouTube and like take your shirt off and sell shit. And, and I was like, yeah, nah, that doesn't sound very interesting. And so he, he kept on kind of harping on this point of like, you need to take your physique and sell something. Right. And so I was thinking, all right, I think there probably is an opportunity here, but what do I actually want to do? What, what would I be interested in? I'm not interested in just shilling. I mean, at the time, social media shilling wasn't new. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't really on social media much. So maybe it was kind of a thing, but it was definitely not as much of a thing as it is now. Right. I mean, I always liked to read. And I was, I think at that time, a decent writer. I was in my previous life. I, I was building employee training programs for companies. There's a lot. There's quite a bit of carryover, actually, in terms of um, skills and just experience uh, having to take complex jobs in that case and break them down into training that can take someone that really knows nothing to like being able to do the job depending on what it is it could be in a couple of weeks or it might take as much as a couple of months but regardless you know there needs to be a you need to be able to to break something down so it can be learned on an easy gradient you're not making huge jumps in terms of like now they're just completely confused don't know what to do right. um so i was like all right what i'll do is um i'll write a book because i also at the time amazon's kdp platform was gaining a lot of of traction in the news because there's there's dude there's this guy named John Locke who was like the first self-published author on their platform to sell a million books. He had a cool story. He was like he made a bunch of money in the insurance business. He had like one business, built it up, sold it, and did it again and sold that for I don't know 30, 40, 50 million dollars or something. And he was like, "All right, I'm done with money. What do I actually want to do?" And this is what he decided. He always had wanted to write novels, so he started doing that and he priced them at 99 cents cuz he didn't care about the money. He just wanted to see if anybody would care about his work. And it blew up for him. And now now he's like, he was their golden boy. Uh, and he, they used that to attract other writers and saying, hey, if you can write good shit, we have a platform here. And we have a lot of readers. And here it is, right? So so that's why I wrote the book initially and, and did it as a book and put it up on Amazon as opposed to trying to have it as a, a PDF and doing the whole, you know, if, li- yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, I'm just curious to see how, how Amazon plays out. So that was the beginning. And I published it in 2012. And um, I think the first month, maybe 20 copies were sold. I was just like, ah, cool. Somebody bought my book. And then it, it kind of grew exponentially from there. And I put my email address in the book just in case people want to set up a, a domain, like Build Healthy Muscle, which was just a domain and there's not even any website. And, you know, encourage people to reach out and let me know what they thought of the book, if they have any questions or whatever. And um, so I, I would just answer emails and take down notes on people if they had good ideas and how the book can be improved. And also where, based on the questions that I, w- I was getting, where I could beef up the book. And I was like, eh, that's a good point. I should probably like... It would be better if that information were in there. Yeah. So by the end of the year, it was selling a few thousand copies a month. And that's when I was looking at it going, okay, this is a real opportunity. You know, I have this other business and it does well and I make money, but it doesn't have like, I I was kind of ambivalent about it. There were things I liked about it, things I didn't like about it. And it didn't have 
the anywhere near the upside in terms of potential reach and potential impact and also potential revenue as the health and fitness space. I mean, there, I don't know if there aren't very many industries that you can just jump into, um, <laughs> that, that, that do, you know what I mean? Yeah. So at that time though, I actually didn't want to become like a health and fitness expert or guru, so to speak. Um, not that I consider myself, uh, either, honestly, I, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I don't play one on the internet. Again, I think my strength is I'm good at learning things. I like to study, interpreting them and, and making them understandable to the layman basically. And that's really how that really has been my focus. I guess I would maybe consider myself a a researcher and educator, I guess. But at that time I was like, I don't like the fitness space. I don't like fitness people in like a lot of what I would <laughs> honestly, no, like, I know. <laughs> I'm with you on that. One. I've, I've had that discussion with, with people and they're a little bit taken aback. Like, um, I was at a, have you been to the Arnold classic? <laughs> yeah, no shit. Yeah. I, I was, at, I was around at these a, expos. Yeah. Good exactly, luck. Exactly. Exactly. I was at a, a family wedding over the weekend and there were a few people, I don't, I don't, I don't like to talk about myself at all, honestly. But like people ask, it's just standard thing. What do you do? Oh, health and fitness things. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, so what do you mean? Like a, a personal trainer? Yeah. Uh, not ex- not yeah. <laughs> it's like, not exactly. Usually my thing is like, I have some books that are popular and I have some websites and supplements and shit and that's, that's it. Right. Um, yeah. but, but in, in having that discussion with people, there, there, a few people were kind of like, they thought that was funny you know, where, they knew about me like because they, they like Legion and shit. So because they're in the family. And so my cousins have talked. I think it's kind of cool. That's always funny to them. Where I'm like, yeah, you know, they're like kind of they think fitness people. They think it's just kind of there's a lot of uh, neurosis and it's just a weird space. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm not very well networked in the space because I don't like a lot of the people in the space. Legitimately just don't like them. Yeah. Um. So I didn't I didn't want to really go into it. And I was thinking initially that, uh, what I would do is start a publishing company and just apply what I had learned, you know, with selling my own books to selling other people's books. And it wouldn't just have to be health and fitness stuff. That opportunity is actually still there because traditional publishers have distribution on their side. Absolutely. But they're pretty weak on the marketing side of things. They move very slowly and they can't take as many gambles anymore on, on unknown authors, or they just don't want to, they want people like, like me. I mean, now, for example, I've sold close to a million books just online. I'm not even in bookstores since 2012. My websites get about 2 million visits a month between the two of them, 400,000 people on my email lists, whatever on social media, blah, blah, blah. So you know, I'm working on a new book and I'm going to go traditional because I want to do New York Times campaign. And that's the safest way to, because there's like politics involved with NYT. If, oh, if for it, sure. If there's a book that's self-published, even if it sells very, very well, they may not admit it to the list. And I just don't want to take that risk. So I'd rather just go traditional. That's kind of like how I was looking at it at that time. And I was going to publish other people's stuff and build up this sub, this uh, publishing company. So I started, I recruited a friend of mine to work with me and we started putting it together. But then we looked at it and said, okay, the real opportunity here is in health and fitness. So I guess I'll do it, but I'm just going to kind of do it in my own way. Fast forward. And again, I've sold a bunch of books and I've written obviously a, a number more um, and I'm continuing. That's always going to be a thing because I just enjoy it and supplements and an app and blah, blah, blah. So the app description is health and fitness things. so you you i mean you kind of skipped over the supplement stuff but i was curious to know so you wrote a book you've written a few books now you know you're selling a ton of copies what made you get into the supplement space i'm just curious i mean i I, I, before you answer I, i will say that you were one of the first 
brands, Legion was one of the first brands that I at least came across. I'm not a big supplement guy at all, but I came across and I was interested in it because of the health aspect, right? Because of some of the direction you took when it came to actually creating quality products versus just, hey, I got another creatine or here's another pre-workout. Like, all right, dude, like we've seen this story a hundred times. But with you, it was more of like, hey, I just want to make products that are actually quality and that are going to make you healthier. But why did you decide to do that? Was it just, hey, this is the next step in the business or was it something you had self-interest in? Basically, I'm just really greedy. So <laughs> no, um, no. <laughs> so it, cash. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just fucking cash, bro. Like Lambos and Rolexes. Gotta make it rain over here. Yeah, and bitches. No. Um, <laughs> so I've taken a bunch of supplements over the years because you'd, I'd go to GNC. That was like part of the thing when you, especially when you're in the magazine world. And you know, if I kind of rewind to the to the first couple years of my exploits in the weightlifting space um, where, yeah, you try all different kinds of supplements. So I'd go to GNC and I'd try, you know, test boosters and GH boosters and pre-workouts <laughs> and post-workouts, everything. I'd spend like, I don't know, probably three or $400 a month on crap. Yep. And, um, and, and then uh, obviously throughout the process of getting educated, I kind of learned that like, oh, so like basically all that stuff does nothing. All right, well, I'll stop wasting money on that. And uh, what still would use protein powder. And I would, I did like a pre-workout if for nothing else than just like by that time I was working out early in the morning. So it was nice. It was nice to feel fully awake and like have, I mean, if it's just caffeine, you know what I mean? It just before workout, it does make a difference if you have enough. And so I saw an opportunity. It was, I guess it was kind of twofold. One, it was kind of selfish and then I wanted to scratch my own itch and make products that I myself wished someone else was making essentially. And that's how it kind of started. Like Okay, so once I understood a bit more about the supplement industry and, and how shitty most of these products are, the question was, why? Why doesn't someone just make a good product? What's the problem? Is it just pure greed? Is that is that really what it is? And where, you know, basically you have all the all the big players almost like it's a cartel to say, all right, guys, let's just make, let's just keep all of our, sh- all of our costs <laughs> collectively. Let's keep our cost of goods as low as possible so we can have Lambos, Rolexes and bitches, right? right. Um, and <laughs> It's kind of that, but it's it's also, unfortunately, for the supplement companies that are reliant on retail is the just the how the hierarchy is set up. It pretty much precludes quality products. You can't because, you know, when you when you take into account the margins that the supplement companies themselves need, be, mainly because of how much marketing money they have to spend. I mean, it's not uncommon. Uh, I mean, I know for various supplement companies that are, you know, eight figure companies that have to spend 30 ish percent of revenue on marketing, even as high as 40 or 50 with some of these direct to consumer kind of e-commerce supplement companies. So they have to spend all that money just to keep their revenue where it needs to be. And they also churn through customers at an alarming rate. So they have to constantly be acquiring new customers, which is very expensive to do because you know, it just, anyone in business knows that that's that it's tremendously, uh, and that, that exactly, that's like the never ending headache is, is how to acquire more customers, you know, less expensively. And they're not equipped, especially the supplement companies. Many of them are not equipped, um, or they're not focusing on retaining their existing customers. So it's just that churn game. And then you have like the wholesalers and distributors, they need their cuts. And then you have the retailers need their cuts. And in some cases, uh, the retailers, they want big cuts like G GNC had reached out a couple of years ago and they wanted a 70% margin themselves, meaning they wanted to more than double markup. And it was just like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't work. But, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, see ya. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's where I was kind of looking at it going, okay, so I have a platform here. Um, I've sold a lot of books at this point by the time, you know, Legion, we started, let's see, when did, this is Legion's fourth year. So we had launched in, I believe it was like we did a pre-order in November of 2013. And then it went officially live in, yeah, 40, exactly. And then it went like, we started shipping product in 2014. And a lot of 2013 was, I mean, we probably spent between me and Jeremy, it was probably eight months, like from the decision to do it, where I remember talking with Jeremy, I was like, we can do this. I think there's an opportunity again, like what I was saying to just kind of scratch our own itch and make really good products that we ourselves wish somebody else would make. And then also take advantage of, I think there's a gap in the marketplace. I think there is a legit opportunity to do like naturally sweet and naturally flavored products, transparent formulations backed by sound science uh, that we also will be you know, fully transparent with, you know, we, I had recruited a couple people, one person in particular who is very smart with this stuff and on the same wavelength in terms of what is actually a good product and what products are worth making and what products aren't. Like I don't have a hormone product whatsoever, not because, I mean, if I just liked money, I would absolutely just make one. We get asked about it all the time, especially testosterone in men. It's just more and more of a, you know, it's a growing concern. And just because, I mean, I understand uh, testosterone levels, on a population basis have been declining for decades now to a point where it just really impacts quality of life. Uh, but we have not made one and I don't see us. I mean, the only way we'd ever make one is there would have to be some advances in terms of research because we just don't see how we can make a product worth selling essentially. And so we, we, you know, that, that was the, the genesis of Legion was just that, like, I want to, I want to make things that I just want to like stop having to take inferior supplements myself, which are probably, they're better than nothing, but they're not very good. And, you know, I want to take my own. I just want to make like what products I wish I had. And then hopefully other people like the idea too and want to, and want to buy them. And so that's, that's how it started. And, um, yeah, it's gone very well. I mean, again, this is Legion's fourth year and it's gonna, it's gonna do eight figures in revenue this year. It's pretty cool. And so you do a lot of things. I mean, you outside of the fitness stuff, right? I mean, you're you're a dad. Now you're expecting baby number two. Uh, yep. You're married. You know, I'm curious because I talk to different people in different walks of life. Some people are kind of past the whole like, I call it like the grind phase of like, okay, I have a million things going on. I'm trying to be great at all of them. And then some people are just starting. And then some people are, you know, kind of in the midst of it. I, I feel like we're kind of in the midst of those you know, yep. working years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so how do you balance it all? I mean, you seem to be really, really good at so many things. But it's like for someone like me, you know, I have a podcast, I have a coaching business, I have another business unrelated to fitness. You know, I also have two little boys under the age of three. And so it's like, sometimes I feel like my brain's going to explode, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how, how do you do it? I mean, what are some of the best practices you have with keeping everything in balance, keeping what's important at the forefront of what you do as well? Um, well, I mean, I guess if on, on a, if you kind of zoom in, I mean, you're probably the same way, uh, routine and habit are big for sure. And that means for me, you know, I, I wake up fairly early. I get my workouts done early and get to the office and just work, work, work. And, you know, I would say that if I look back over the last, uh, let's say five years or, or whatever, uh, my life has been pretty imbalanced, but I'm okay with that where my focus has obviously been on work and then really any time away from work has been spent with my family and I haven't spent much time. Like I don't, you know, really hang out 
with friends, uh, or at least I haven't uh, all that much. Yeah, I've had a few hobbies where I'd, I'd go out on Sunday afternoons and play some golf or, or go play hockey. I started playing hockey again when I was here in Florida just for fun. But I think that's fine. I think the, the idea that you should try to keep everything balanced, especially in the beginning of any sort of entrepreneurial endeavor is bad advice, actually, especially if there's an opportunity there. Because speed, I mean, this is this is something that I've come across actually more just in, in reading historical stuff and, and biographies and stuff and more from a military context, right? Speed is everything. That was that was Napoleon's whole thing, right? Is yeah. what, what careful and deliber- deliberation, swift and execution or whatever. And one of the reasons why he was such a great military commander is he moved so quickly, like his army was able to move so quickly and they were able to get in positions that made no sense and they would, they would throw their opponents off, whatever, right? So, so in business though, it, that there's also a lot to be said for speed of execution and going too slow can, it just, one, it's psychologically, it's just demoralizing, but two, the more time you add, the more chances there that something can go wrong. And that can, that could be, there are so many things that, you know, I think if you look at in terms of a medicine, success is not just about making things go right. Yes, it is. There are plenty of things that you have to do and have to go well, but it's also not having a lot of bad things happen that could happen. In some cases seem very much out of your control. The mistake can simply be adding too much time. You could be doing the right things. You're just doing them too slowly. And then just like that, it could be that the opportunity evaporates because, you know, someone else has been working on it as well. And they come to their, their first to market, they have more money, they have some huge competitive advantages that now just kind of make you irrelevant. Or it could be internally with personnel, something goes wrong and some key person that has been uh, working on some project is out of commission for one reason or another or gone or whatever. So that's been something that I just, that's why I kind of uh, have worked you know, probably on average, it's a little bit less now than it was back then, but then it was, I don't know, maybe on average 70 or ish hours a week or something, just because I wanted to, I knew the opportunity was there and I wanted to do everything that I could to capitalize on it and not miss out due to this idea that I, my life has to be quote unquote balanced. And, and also what the idea of balance, someone else's idea on, you know, what's important and what's not important. So that, that was intentional. And now things are a little bit different. I mean, I still, I still work a lot and it's still a major focus of mine, but I have, I mean, I guess I also had to kind of experience it personally to wanting to change that operating basis and not not just spend more time like with with my family and because i mean my relationship with my wife has always been good but of course it suffers a little bit if i'm working so much it's different when previously if we have more time together and whatever she's she's always been great in that regard and very supportive and very almost stoic in a sense but just what i, I would tend to push it you know what i mean <laughs> because again i'm kind of just going and i'm thinking with I'm putting something here. It's not just about making money. It's more, especially with having a family, putting something there that um, is going to allow me to provide for my family and give them a good life and good education. And, you know, so I was very much driven also from that perspective. But now, again, like I, I look at it and go, okay, so there's really an endless number of things that can be done. And I do have big plans for Legion in terms of, I mean, you can boil it down to revenue because that's just an easy proxy for the influence of, of that, of what, and the impact that I think it can have. And also with muscle for life, we're doing a whole overhaul, we're going to do a whole bunch of digital courses. So I have a lot of things that I want to do. It's just, I kind of had to experience that the real pay that you get in life is 
Yeah, I mean, money is good. And we all know the research on terms of what is it about $80,000 a year is when you start, most people start experiencing the diminishing returns of, of uh, you know what I mean? Where like, yeah. it's that for yeah. most people, that's the point where they know they don't really have financial pressures anymore. Right. Um, and then the money that they make beyond that is is great, but it doesn't it doesn't mean as much, you know, as it, as it does getting, you know, it doesn't going from, let's say, $40,000 a year to $80,000 a year for most people doesn't mean as much or sorry, that means a lot more than going from 80 to 160, for example, or 160 to 320 and so forth, just because unless you have some compulsion to just live very extravagantly, there's a point where. I would say, I mean, you take pretty much anybody and you and you give them a few hundred thousand dollars a year, and now they're just like, I'm good financially. I'm like, good. <laughs> what else do I need? I can have a nice house. I can drive a nice car. If I'm with someone, I can Travel. family. Da, da, da. Exactly. I've experienced that, which has been a good experience, but also had to kind of experience just that uh, the real pay that you get, you know, in life, what makes life worth living. Yes, enthusiasm over goals. Yes, activity. Yes, forward motion. Yes, cooperative endeavor. But then there's also something to be said for connections with other people and relationships and, and sensation and things that, you know, I intentionally neglected to build businesses. So now I would say my life is, has more balance in that, in that way. But even still, I mean, I'm very much like I said, I'm very much a routine person. I wake up early, do the same stuff every day in terms of like my schedule. And I, and I stick very much to that. Otherwise, it's just giving as much importance to some other, these other aspects of my life um, as I, as I do my work, which previously I, again, I didn't really do. It was kind of just like, yeah, intellectually, I knew that sure, you know, we're social creatures and, you know, there's a lot of pleasure to be had and joy and satisfaction to be had outside of it's for me, it's not about making money. I kind of don't care so much about that, especially now. It's more just about, I like doing things. I like coming up with ideas and making them a reality and like seeing them work and just that's, that's really what I like. Yes. I think that is one of, if we're coming back to this pay of life metaphor, I think that is one of the, the, for sure. I mean, that's, that's enthusiasm. That's what makes you feel alive and energetic and whatever. But, you know, I had to, I had to experience the actual, like emotionally had to, had to experience the absence of, I think, really what are probably the more important types of pay in life where in the end, a bank account doesn't really measure much in terms of how much they're really living and had to, had to experience that. And not again, not so much from a financial perspective because I've never been like a very mo- money motivated person. And I don't have uh, sure. I have nice things and I have a nice house. And as I continue to go, you know, if everything continues to go well and we just continue on the trajectory that we're on, that's not going to change. It'll only improve, but I don't care that much about it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Hey, quickly, before we carry on, if you are liking my podcast, would you please help spread the word about it? Because no amount of marketing or advertising gimmicks can match the power of word of mouth. So if you are enjoying this episode and you think of someone else who might enjoy it as well, please do tell them about it. It really helps me. And if you are going to post about it on social media, definitely tag me so I can say thank you. You can find me on Instagram at Muscle for Life Fitness, Twitter at Muscle for Life, and Facebook at Muscle for Life Fitness. How do you choose which things to say yes to, right? Because you have a lot of ideas um, and you have a lot of things that probably come onto your desk and people are probably hounding you for ideas and opportunities. But how do you choose what to say yes to? 
That's a good question. Um, that's something I've had to learn because in the beginning, it was yes to everything, right? I mean, it was yes to let me just write a book. No one knows who the fuck I am. Uh, I have no network, no connections, no website, literally nothing. I'm just going to write a book and see if it can do well on its own merits, basically. Um, and so that, that's just from there to, okay, let's say yes to, I'm going to try a different book, just trial balloons, different ideas. Let's see how this one does. Let's see how that one does, whatever. And then now, you know, I've had to kind of flip that around where I say no to a lot more things uh, than yes. And, and that's also to myself. I mean, yeah, I'm approach. I don't have any trouble saying no to a lot of the random ideas that are floated my way from other people. Um, it's harder for me to say no to my own ideas, especially where I know they're good ideas. Like that's something I, you know what I mean? Where similar, similar to Legion in the beginning, I knew that was a good idea. I I mean, I was able to, I was willing to stake a lot of time and effort. And at that time, a lot of money on the belief that this is a good idea. This is going to work. And there are other things now, especially given the kind of the ecosystem that my team and I have put together and we have this like growing conglomerate. There are, are other product lines and services and stuff that would work guaranteed, but I've had to kind of step back from that ledge several times because I don't have, I can only myself do so much. I mean, the solution for me is not, well, I'll just, I'll just not do those things. It's actually now I'm just like, I'm doing a whole round of hiring again and bringing on more people. And that's really going to be, that's kind of the bottleneck at that point in the business where the bottleneck is actually getting enough really good people, people that are smart, hardworking, that have initiative and can take things and just own them and figure them out and make shit happen and really don't need their hands. And, uh, hands to be held all that much. And that might sound bad, but anyone that is in business and if you have more than 15 or 20 employees, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, on the whole, yes, people are great and they're well-intentioned, but when it comes down to like brass tacks, execution, doing things well, that's hard to find. So that's more what I'm looking at now is like what I'm saying yes to are the things that like you know, I, there's an opportunity cost is what you're getting at, of course, uh, to, to anything. So any time or money that I put into project A is time and money that I can't put into project B or C or whatever. So what I have, and this is something that I've spoken quite a bit with my team and my business partner, and I've offloaded various tasks and things that I've been doing uh, to free up time for what I think is the highest and best use of me. And that is content creation and the type of content that only I can do. So that means books. That means to some degree articles. Uh, I'm bringing on some writers and I'll have like a team of people and the stuff that is going to be published under my name is always going to be either going through me. Like I'm, I'm fine getting initial research or first drafts, but I just, I'm not willing to compromise on the quality of my stuff just because I've, I mean, I've written, I've probably published over a million words of just blog articles like myself. I was going to say you have a ton of blogs. I see them all over the place. Yeah. And that's not, that's not including books and right. um, whatever else. Right. So high quality written content uh, still does very, very well. Yes, it's very competitive. And, you know, if anybody out there is considering getting into that, into the, the health and fitness blog space, uh, yes, you can do well, but just know that you're up against uh, there's always room for someone that can produce stuff that is very different or very high quality. Like Greg Knuckles is a great example of that. His stuff is very dense. It's very scientific. It's very technical. It's not for the layman. It's not for everybody. But 
I don't know of anybody else. I mean, I think the only, there are a few people that could do what he's doing. Like Lyle used to be more in, in the blogging space and he can produce content of that caliber, but he just doesn't. So, you know, if you can bring something truly unique like Greg has done, then that's a huge competitive advantage. But if you're going to just kind of jump into the gen fit space, you're, you're up against some very good writers. You're up against people with very large budgets in terms of some, you know, behind the scenes SEO stuff. And it's just not the same as when I, you know, I started Muscle for Life in 2013 and it grew very, very quickly, but it wouldn't have grown as quickly if I would have launched it, you know, a year or two later, because by that time the space already was very saturated. Fortunately, I already kind of like staked out my ground. Yeah. So, so writing content is still going to be something that I think is a, is a great use of my time. Writing books, definitely a great use of my time and something that I'm going to be doing a lot more of. I have some simple plans and ideas that I know are going to do very, very well to just dramatically increase uh, reach through through book channels because that was intentional from the beginning because I've done several revisions of my books and spent quite a bit of time and money actually taking Bigger, Leaner, Stronger from where it started to where it is now. And the reason why I've done, I did that is because one, I like it. I just have a natural, I just have an affinity for books and for reading. So, you know, it's just, it, I guess it's fulfilling in that regard, but also it's um, invariably are my best customers, you could say, or my my most loyal or, or enthusiastic followers tribe, right? Yeah. Has, have read at least one of my books. It's pretty much always. And, and that's for obvious reasons. And then there's also, I think some non-obvious reasons that people don't necessarily consider. And that's one that most people don't read. If, if somebody reads, let's just say it's just one book a month. That just means they chip away at, at, at a book. That's, that's far above average in terms of, I mean, I think it says something about who they are as a person, right? So you have people out there that are they're regularly trying to better themselves. And, you know, they've been called like transformational consumers is one, you know, little marketing term that's been applied to them. But these are people that they're not, yes, like they're interested in health and fitness, but also they're interested in just improving themselves in general. And, and I think that those people are a cut above the average person in that the average person, and it sounds bad, but the, I mean, they look at it by their actions. The average person doesn't, it seems like, you know, they kind of just shamble their way through life and without much thought of anything and where, you know, they don't have much in the way of like goals and visions and of where they want their lives to be and how they're going to get there. And they don't work very hard to make those things a reality. And so, and again, that's not really a, I don't say that from a place of, oh, because I think I'm so superior. I'm just kind of really just speaking from statistics, honestly. Right, um, right. It's reality. It's just reality, right? I mean, yeah. that's un- the average person's very overweight. They spend, what, four hours a day watching TV. They have a rather low IQ. They don't read at all. Um, they spend a lot of time on video games and social media and stuff. And that just, unfortunately, it just is what it is. That's not a, that's not a good place to be. I think, you know, we all have our little vices and of course nobody's perfect, but too many vices make for a rather unhappy existence, I think. Um, so we've gotten, I think, a very high caliber following by putting so much attention on writing good content because again, the average person that's willing to read a 130,000 page book and go do something with it. Well, the person that will do that is not the average person. Um, right. and, and, and you'll see that like in our demographics, uh, if you check, I don't know if they're public, but we have our Quantcast demographics from FL and, and Legion and we have, it's 
you know, mainly it's about 60, 40 men to women. Uh, it's 25 to 35 or overrepresented college educated, largely overrepresented, 100K plus year, 150K plus year, largely overrepresented diversity in terms of race as well. A lot of Asians, a lot of African Americans, a lot of Latino. That is not your typical health and fitness crowd. Like your average YouTuber, the demographics are very different. <laughs> and- <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I, <laughs> some of the big names that I know in the YouTube space. I mean, they're demographic. I, I mean, there's no customers there for me, right? Exactly. I mean, that's like, it. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm a 32-year-old 32 guy with two kids who tells people how to balance their health and fitness routine. That's not the YouTube crowd. Like, that's just exactly. not, that's not who they are. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't, you know, just speaking to your original question, why I haven't put uh, very much time into YouTube because now I'm going to be bringing on like a full-time videographer and bringing on some more people to work in marketing and social media and stuff. So I probably will get more active on YouTube, but it's just not going to take much of my time. Uh, it's going to take sure. a lot of a lot of other people's time. And but I myself have not put much time into it because again, when I look at the pillars of the my businesses, books and long form content, you just sum it up as that long form content, whether it's podcasts like this, long form articles, books are a huge part of why I've gotten to where I am. And so, you know, that's going to be an on, that's pretty much, I think that plus as things continue to grow, maybe getting more involved in outward facing stuff, publicity, possibly speaking tours, things that just get me more out there and introduce more and more people to me and my work um, on larger and larger scales will also make sense. Otherwise, it's kind of like no to most everything else. And I don't really see that changing because again, I mean, I think my role in that regard, pretty much that's kind of the pinnacle in terms of how I can most accelerate growth, right? It's just like create more and more good stuff that gets out there more and more and then and, and just get my face out there and my voice out there more and more. Makes makes a ton of sense. What about, so habits and routines? I mean, you know, you, you got to have a couple strong habits and routines each day that just kind of keep things in line, keep things moving forward. What are yours? I mean, what are your most valuable habits and routines? Mm, so I'd say waking up early um, because, and, and I go straight, I go to the gym first thing in the morning, get my workouts how, out. How of early do you wake up? Um, my alarm is 6.15, but I usually wake up before. So, you know, sure. it could, depending on when I go to bed, it could be anywhere from I don't know, five thirty to six. Uh, one, I just like it. I mean, I don't. When I was younger, I used to stay up late and do hang out with friends. And I, I was in, I had a phase where I was really into poker, so I'd play poker for many, many hours online. Dude, me too. I was <laughs> so into. I'd read. I'd read every book. I I was getting coaching. Oh, yeah. I was serious about it. That's great so game. I, I actually kind of miss it to be honest. It's such a great oh, me game. Me too. I dude, I I played it professionally for oh, my really? entire college existence. Yeah, I, that's how I paid my way through college. You, you I, played limit or no limit? I played no limit online like for 10 hours a day, pretty much every day. <laughs> <laughs> just just crushing it on. I I do, you know, multi tables. I'd be like Of course, yeah. You know, I'd have like 30 tables going at once. Oh, it you was go insane, that. man. Oh yeah, because I I I played under um I think it was Pocket Fives had a coaching program or something like that, and uh, the guy who coached me was like this extreme multi table guy had this this whole strategy. And you know what? To be honest, I made really good money. I'm not gonna lie, like I made really good money, but it became so unhealthy. And after I was done with my sessions, it would just, dude, like the feeling of being 
after a bad day was like so terrible. bad, right? Yeah, like you just terrible. wanted to just, I just wanted to sprint through my window, man. I was just like, <laughs> I'm out of here. Like this shit sucks. But yeah, so I, I played for a long time. I played in Vegas. Um, actually had a fake ID and lucked my way into a couple of big tournaments out there. And, That's uh, funny. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, the good the good old days. <laughs> yeah, the good old days, exactly. But but now now, especially having kids, well, I have one kid, another kid on the way. Uh, you, you know, it's just there's a complete change, and I enjoy waking up early. So, but I think there's also something to be said for the momentum. You so show you're up early. This is I don't know how valuable this habit is in the grand scheme of things, but I do the cold shower thing. Just because it wakes me up, uh, I like that, where I don't really necessarily have trouble waking up, but I definitely feel like fully awake after it. And also, I know we know that it improves circulation for sure, which is just good, right? That's going to help with uh, minimally just giving all of your tissues in your body all, you know, getting more nutrients to them, which can also possibly help a little bit with recovery. And it may also improve immune function, which is cool. I hate getting sick. So anything that you know, may help with that. That is no cost like that, where it's just, sure, take a cold shower. I'm in. And we'll see what comes out of, uh, you know, as they continue to do more research on this, thanks to obviously Wim Hof has hugely popularized uh, cold exposure and some of the stuff that he's been able to do with his body and also teach other people to do is, is absurd. And so, so there's that. And then, you know, going to the gym, getting a workout done right away is one, I think it's a great start to the day where no matter what happens from there, like you have some, it just gives you forward motion, I think. Yeah, it's um, low hanging fruit, right? It's like exactly. that just quick win. It's like, the, it's like the little, exactly, where even, even the, even what is the lowest hanging fruit is what, right? Make your bed, you know, that's like a thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the Navy SEAL guy or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't get any satisfaction from making my bed, but I do get some satisfaction from, uh, from going in and, and getting my workout done. And then also functionally, it's just better. You know, I feel, more mentally alert uh, throughout the day when I do it that way and just more energetic throughout the day, especially if I didn't sleep enough the night before, it helps a lot. And then there's nothing that can get in the way of it later. So if I was planning on going at 6 p.m., who knows, something can get in the way of that. If I get it done first thing, it's done. So so there's that. And then there's uh, just, just in terms of work habits, I'm not big on like Pomodoro or anything in particular, um, just because I don't know, I don't, I just don't feel the need for it. I don't get mentally depleted very easily, if ever, really. It's it, the only times I really feel it is if I really didn't sleep enough and come the end of the night, I'm just tired. Like it's not mental depletion, it's just whole body depletion. And so I, it's not never something I've been struggled, I've really struggled with, even if, even if that means that I, you know, if I can go through, uh, a few hours of deep work that requires a lot of concentration, wrap it up and then like go to the bathroom and come back and I feel like ready to go. Like I'm not, you know, I don't feel like I need to take some downtime, which um, I understand. I, mean, I know that's not normal and many people do. So I think that is definitely, you know, the idea of working in sprints and then just backing off for five or 10 minutes and letting yourself recover basically makes a lot of sense. I've not really had to do that, but I do the standard stuff of prioritizing my tasks, spend the beginning of my day. What do I need to get done today? What are the high priority things? And then if I have more time, what are the things I can do after? If not, those can get bumped to the next day. The stuff, I mean, if people listening, if they haven't read the book, The One Thing, the simple tools that are kind of just laid out in that book, short, simple book, I recommend it a lot. It has I really liked it because it was better than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be similar like when I read The Art of War. I thought it was going to be, uh, no, no, The War of Art. <laughs> yeah. I War of Art. Yeah, sorry. Book. War, yeah. War of Art. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was going to be just kind of like self-help junk food, but actually it was a lot more profound than I expected. And I and I had the same experience with The One Thing as well. Have you read The One Thing? You know, I haven't. And oh, you should I read know, it. I don't know why I haven't. But yeah, I just took a note to, to read yeah. that. Um, uh, you'll like it. 
you'll like yeah, it. The War of Art's my favorite book. Uh, it's actually inspired me to write a book uh, about being a, a young dad. Uh, nice, but yeah, it's 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 solid, man. It's so simple, and which is I think the mark of genius, right? I mean, it's like you take yeah. something and you make it so simple to understand, but also so powerful. It's like. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's like the damn moment. Like it's just, it's really dope. But, yeah. um, no, I mean, because it's, other, it's, it's, what other books do you like? There's so many. And I read, so I kind of like work through a rotation of, uh, marketing and business books to biographies or historical books. Um, here, let me pull up my, I'll pull up my little spreadsheet and I, I'm like kind of OCD about it. I take a bunch of highlights <laughs> and notes and then I pull them all out and I put them into Google Docs and, because then I can actually easily review any book that I've read. Basically, I have a Google Doc with all of my highlights, all of my notes, and also I know that helps with just inform, like just retention of the information. So you're reading it once, doing highlights, marginalia, and then going through them again, reading them again, pulling them out. It uh, really helps a lot. So let's see. I recently read. I'm in the middle of a book called Peak right now, which I'm liking. Oh, yeah. well, well, well written, uh, very easy to read and we'll see. I haven't, I'm only maybe 40 pages in, so they haven't gotten to, I've maybe made like one or two highlights, but I'm expecting, you know, the information, the good information is coming. They've usually the first 50 pages, 30 to 50 is they're just trying to hook you. Right. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm in the middle of peak. Uh, I, I like that. Um, band of brothers was one of the last ones I really liked. I mean, big fan of the show, but hadn't read the book. Uh, the e-myth, I recommend that book for just general business, uh, on like entrepreneurship. Uh, it's very much about kind of the, the core of the message is systematizing your business and codifying the, the individual jobs in, in your business uh, so it can scale, which is also just very relevant to where I'm at right now. Like I was saying earlier, there's like seven, what do we have? 17 or 18 of us now. To, I think to get things to like where I want them to be, I'll probably need a total of 50 to 70 people would be my guess. Wow. And that requires a lot of working on the business instead of in the business. So it was just also relevant to me and my team and where we're at right now, where we need to go from there. Getting things done, I read again recently. I'd read it a while ago. Pretty good. I like on the whole, I, I do use, I use my own version of, of some of his ideas, I guess, or he probably just took the ideas from someone else, to be honest. But um, right. <laughs> uh, like, for example, getting everything out of your head, I, I, I keep lists on all kinds of things. Like I really don't, I use my calendar for, I don't want to, I want to use my mental energy and my cognitive capacities for figuring things out and creating things and, you know, doing uh, valuable work, not trying to remember trivial shit that I can just put into right. a system. You know what I mean? Yep. That was big. Let's see. You can just edit this also by as I'm looking through if you want to just oh, like make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, going through here. Let's see. Uh, 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 I'm pretty much going to cut out everything you said. No. Right. Perfect. I'm not even going to publish this episode actually. Yeah. It's, this is never going to see the light I, of day. I, so. bas I've basically been asleep the whole time. So yeah. Wait, um, who is this again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, all right, cool, man. Got to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I'll just say like, you know, for, also if people are just generally starting out in business, Lean Startup is, a, is I think, a great book. Oh, that's a great book. Yeah. Particularly, obviously, the concept of a, min a minimum viable product, which is something yep. that like I did well with the books. That's very much what Bigger, Leaner, Stronger was. That first edition was very much an MVP. And I did well with Legion, kind of. I probably could have launched. We launched with four products, probably could have done with less, but that's not too bad. And I didn't do well with my workout app. So like... 
quick story there is I went into that thinking, how hard can this really be, right? I mean, it's not uh, it's not a fucking rocket. It's a workout app. And, you know, I had some ideas. And so the initial quote I got was like $50,000, four months of development. And I was like, sure, why not? Even if it goes nowhere, I don't know. I think there, there's an opportunity, right? That's how I was thinking about it. Essentially, that turned into a year plus of development. I had to switch companies. And I don't know, I probably put in $250,000 by now. Uh, which was just a misestimation of effort on my part. And I was, again, that was me being stupid and not, you know, I hadn't, unfortunately, I read Lean Startup after I started that whole project where I would have gone about it very differently, you know, but so I, I recommend that people interested in business read that book. From a marketing perspective, I mean, you have to read, I would say, scientific advertising, the classics, right? Scientific advertising, read uh, Eugene Schwartz's Breakthrough Advertising, read Cialdini's uh, Influence, read Persuasion, as well as New Book. It's not as groundbreaking as Influence, was, but still a very good book. I liked a lot of the ideas in Persuasion. Have you and read uh, Oversubscribed? No. No. Oh, you got to read that one. You have to read that one. Yeah, that one, that one along with The War of Art, those two I'd say probably had two of the biggest influences on me. I think I think for, wh- for where you're headed with some of the things that you're thinking about just with personal brand and just some of the things you want to do outside of the, of the company, I think that would be a great book just just because it does talk about a lot of things in regards to I guess filling up things that you decide to do right so like you know you say hey I'm gonna put on a speaking event or I'm going to you know start doing more work in the community or whatever it is right mm-hmm. it's you want to fill those things up in, in a way that it creates scarcity right uh, up front um, but also creates a loyal following in different avenues right so like you might have a loyal following that reads all your books right but nobody thinks of you as a speaker right yet yep. Yep. So it's like how how that might you know, your what's worked with the book may not work for the speaker, but it might, right? Um, but it's this the book itself is phenomenal. I mean, it just talks about having uh, a tribe that just jumps at basically anything you put out there, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm I'm doing a world tour, right? I'm gonna go speak in all different countries, and you're gonna sell it out, like just right away, right? Because you have mm-hmm. this group of people. That, but it's a it's a phenomenal book. If you like the books, I mean, you talked about so far, you would love oversubscribed. It's a phenomenal. Cool. Yeah, I just phenomenal. pulled it up on Amazon. Yeah, it's great. I have to work it into my. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna die. Rotation. I'm gonna I'm gonna die with a long to be read list. But <laughs> yeah. but this, if it's what I'm looking for now, like it's kind of it's also similar. There's an opportunity cost to reading books, right? Because they take time. Oh yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, I like to. I don't just read. I would say it's more along, maybe along the lines of study. Like for example. I, I look up uh, in a dictionary any words that I don't know, um, and and I and I've done been doing this since I was 12 years old. So I guess that has contributed to my vocabulary, but it also has contributed to my understanding of the subtleties of words, because uh, you know the English language is massive. It's what a million plus words, and right. uh, words have explicit and implicit meanings and connotations. This is one of the things that um, it was just in persuasion that I already knew myself, but it was just a good point of that. A lot of people, they they underestimate the power of the right words. There are many different ways to say things. And especially in the English language, you can communicate a single concept in many different ways. But certain ways are far more persuasive and interesting than others. And a lot of that comes down to what words not just mean, you know, in, in the simple sense, but what they connote and what associations people have with words. I mean, I've, I've experienced that quite a bit in naming products, actually. So with Legion, we don't just choose product names, um, throw shit out there. We survey 
And so, you know, what I do is I go through, I go through word lists and thesauruses and just kind of rack my brain and come up with a number of options for a product, uh, for the name of a product. And then we email to our customer list and ask them to rate the options on a scale of one to five with one being, I hate it, five being, I love it. And we give them an op- option to also like any suggestions or whatever. So for example, for my joint product, which is called Fortify, I didn't really like that name. I thought it's, it's too, uh, it's too obvious, right? It's too top of mind. And also the, it kind of, for me, it brings up an image of a fortress, right? Or like stone. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want my joints to be stone. So like, I kind of want I kind of want it to be the opposite. Right. Um, so for me, but just cause I didn't like the name doesn't really, I, I, I still put it on the survey and the name, if I were just choosing myself, the name I really liked was Halo. And cause it's short word, it's simple. It's, it's, it's uh, two syllables and it has, I th- for me, the connotation in, the, in it was protective, right? And also it just sounds cool. And I just like the word, right? As a, as a writer, there are some words. I'm just like, that's a cool word. Like I, I keep a spreadsheet of, it's called great words, phrases, sayings, et cetera. So when I'm reading books, I'll highlight in a different color words that I like, and I'll add them to my little spreadsheets, like my own personal thesaurus or dictionary basically um so but we survey and halo surveys terribly i think it averaged like two out of five right average and i was like what the fuck why why (laughs) and so i'm reading i'm reading the comments and it's because of the religious connotation that's why people didn't like it i wouldn't have thought of that i I, of course i know but yeah that to me that wasn't i that's not one it's not a negative thing to me Uh, i'm not anti-religion not that those people are even necessarily anti-religion i don't think i have as many for as many bad votes as as that got i don't it's not like i have a bunch of raging atheists that are you know in my my customers for some reason though i actually think i have on the flip side i think i have a fair amount of religious people um so maybe they thought it was a little bit blasphemous or something i don't know but that was why right so halo loses fortify wins fortify does very well people like it and so we go with fortify even though i was like well i don't really like it but hey who cares what i like and then so comes around to the green supplement you know uh surveying names and Genesis is in there. I think it's great, right? It's a little bit long. Three, it's three syllables. It's uh, religious stuff again. <laughs> I know, I know, but but it sounds it's it's a good word. It, the connotation is perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, I think for the product, and it it just sounds. It's one of those interesting Powerful. sounding words. That, yeah. yeah, and and it all, and it flows well. It's easy to say. It surveys really well. One of our best surveying that and probably Pulse were the two best mm. surveyed names. Pulse so. is a great word. Yeah. So there's no example where Pulse, I was like, that's a great name, surveyed well, that's the name. And uh, we've, we've also, you have to work around trademarks and shit, which is annoying because sometimes great stuff is taken, obviously. But Genesis surveys amazingly well. Why? With the same crowd of people, why that one didn't have the, for some reason, Halo negative, like surveyed very poorly. And there were a lot of people that didn't like the religious connotation. Genesis, they loved. What does that mean? I don't know, but you you would you just don't know that you just don't know that stuff unless you survey. Yeah. Um, so so, anyways, that's just kind of from this persuasion concept of the right words make such a big difference in terms of how a communication is received. Anyways, I don't even know how we got on that tangent, but here we are. No, no. It's a, I mean, at the end of the day, it's such a that's the beauty of like what we do, right? There's no I, people talk about science, and there is exact science with certain things, but then there's not exact science with a lot of things, yeah. like. You know, you'd think the same person who'd say, oh, I don't like Halo because of the religious connotations. Well, you'd think that same person would say the exact same thing about Genesis. Absolutely. Right. But then they're like, no, nah, the name's phenomenal. You're like, 
what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, it makes no sense. But our brains are, we're such a complicated race, man. At the end of the day, it's like, you can try to simplify and and talk about exact sciences and process. But at the end of the day, sometimes things are just random, dude. I mean, really. And I think also you don't want to, you don't want to discount your own ability to, to generate, you could say, I mean, working truths, I guess you could say, uh, where just because something, just because there's no science available on something or you can't find any scientific evidence of something that you've observed doesn't mean you should discount what you've observed. Uh, I mean, the, the, the greatest advances in, in any area of science that we've had are started as someone's observation, or in some cases, you know, we don't even know where, how, how did, it's almost like a divinely inspired hypothesis. It just came out of nowhere. We were like, how did this person even come up with this idea, let alone have it pan out? You know what I mean? So, you know, that's one of those things absolutely where we shouldn't be so deferential to science where we, we get to the point where we think we can't really know anything. We have to wait for the authority to give it down to us you know what i mean uh, yeah no it makes perfect sense yeah i mean it's like take some initiative right like yeah yeah, yeah no. i mean willing to try things and see how things go and i mean again that's that's at the heart of course of the scientific method right is yeah is reproducing findings and observing you know observing effects and trying to control for variables and blah 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 it's incredible i, I think another, uh, another book i will say by the way i recommend to anyone listening from marketing is the 22 immutable laws of marketing very good book simple um short very very actionable and i'd say it, it lays out a lot of the big levers that you need to be able to pull if you're mm. going to be successful Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to put these in the show notes uh, for those listening to, uh, you know, we have a lot of business people who listen to the show. Uh, A lot of people who are interested in starting business too. I mean, you know, people who are just taking a dab at uh, the online business. Um, I know Mm -hmm. it's a sexy, sexy thing right now, but Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, there's a lot of work and a lot of study that goes into it. If you see successful businesses, it wasn't, you know, by chance. Um, It was a lot of research, a lot of work. um, And obviously you're, you're proof of that. So dude, I, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. I know your time's super valuable. I mean, you have a, you have a baby on the way, you got business to to handle and uh, you're all over the place, man, but your time is valuable. Thanks for taking some with us. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. Hey there, it is Mike again. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found it interesting and helpful. And if you did and don't mind doing me a favor and want to help me make this the most popular health and fitness podcast on the internet, then please leave a quick review of it on iTunes or wherever you're listening from. This not only convinces people that they should check the show out, it also increases its search visibility and thus helps more people find their way to me and learn how to build their best bodies ever too. And of course, if you want to be notified when the next episode goes live, then just subscribe to the podcast and you won't miss out on any of the new goodies. Lastly, if you didn't like something about the show, then definitely shoot me an email at mike at muscleforlife.com and share your thoughts on how you think it could be better. I read everything myself and I'm always looking for constructive feedback, so please do reach out. All right, that's it. Thanks again for listening to this episode and I hope to hear from you soon. And lastly, this episode is brought to you by me. (laughs) Seriously though, I'm not big on promoting stuff that I don't personally use and believe in. So instead, I'm going to just quickly tell you about something of mine. Specifically, my fitness book for women, Thinner, Leaner, Stronger. Now, this book has sold over 150,000 copies in the last several years, and it has helped thousands of women build their best bodies ever, which is why it currently has over 1,200 reviews on Amazon with a four and a half star average. 
So if you want to know the biggest lies and myths that keep women from ever achieving the lean, sexy, strong, and healthy bodies they truly desire, and if you want to learn the simple science of building the ultimate female body, then you want to read Thinner, Leaner, Stronger today, which you can find on all major online retailers like Audible, Amazon, iTunes, Kobo, and Google Play. Now, speaking of Audible, I should also mention that you can actually get the audiobook 100% free when you sign up for an Audible account, which I highly recommend that you do if you're not currently listening to audiobooks. I myself love them because they let me make the time that I spend doing things like commuting, prepping food, walking my dog, and so forth into more valuable and productive activities. So if you want to take Audible up on this offer and get my book for free, simply go to www.bitly.com slash free TLS book. And that will take you to Audible. And then you just have to click the sign up today and save button, create your account. And voila, you get to listen to Thinner, Leaner, Stronger for free.